recorded at Get a Grip Studios in Toronto, Canada. Get a Grip Management production and in association with the Get a Grip on Lighting podcast. Presented by the National Association of Innovative Lighting Distributors, the National Lighting Bureau, the Illuminating Engineering Society, and of course, the International Dark Sky Association. This is Starving for Darkness. I know you're hungry, folks. I know you're starving. Starving for Darkness with Jane Slade and Michael Colligan coming up real soon. But before we get into that, it's not always and every day that you come across something magical. That's right. I'm talking about Evluma, Greg Eric. Evluma, E-V-L-U-M-A dot com. Talk about a company who's committed to the darkness movement that we're pushing here with this podcast. Area Max, it's utility-grade LED luminaire designed for residential street lighting, parking lots, security lighting, and area lighting applications. What's nice about this thing is that it has type 5, type 3, and dark sky friendly lens options on it. Surge protection better than anyone, 20kV, 10ka, and lightweight housing, easy toolless access, great fixture, replace anywhere up to a 250 watt HID with this thing. Check it out. Whoo, the magicians down at Evluma coming in hot again with another great dark sky ready product. Go to evluma.com. That's right, Greg, evluma.com. Check them out. Hello, listeners and darkness lovers. Welcome to another episode of Starving for Darkness. My name is Jane Slade, along here with my co-host, Michael Colligan. We are so excited to bring on our next guest, astrophotographer Ryan Andresen. To quote you, Ryan, my mission now is to get you to touch the sky for yourself, whether it be with a camera, a telescope, or even just your eyes. I believe that if you can touch it, you'll probably want to protect it. Ryan, welcome to our show. And we start each episode with the same request. So please tell us about a dark sky experience that made you feel wonder and awe. Uh, yeah, you know, I, uh, thank you so much for having me. I mean, it, it's really an honor. I've been watching your episodes and it's just, it's, it's awesome. I'm so happy that you guys are doing this, but uh, I can tell you it was, it was, it was part, you're going to kind of hear my story on how I started all this. Uh, and, and I kind of just fell into it from my local dark sky park because I had a street light that had been thrown up in my backyard and, and the IDA, which I never have heard of, sent me over to my local dark sky park. And I learned uh, a lot about, uh, what is going on. And it blew my mind that I was just oblivious to what was happening. And so I was invited over to a star party that the Ogden Astronomical Society was doing one night. And these guys bring their homemade telescopes, these Dobsonians that are huge. They have to bring them in in trailers. And I, I, I was filming it for my Facebook page to, to show folks on how important this is. And it didn't really dawn on me until I watched uh, a gal hike up this ladder. And I believe I have some images of her actually doing that. And I, I, I watched her just look. And she looked at, she was looking at Saturn and she would look into the, into the scope and then look up and she had a tear. 
And it's emotional mm-hmm. to me too, because I, I watched this connection for the first time for her and it, it just hit me like, this is something that we need to protect. People are losing this connection. And, and if, if I can, you know, do something about it, I'm going to do it. And, and I just, I took up this mission. I wasn't a photographer or anything. And so I just started to learn about how, how can I, get people to touch the sky like she did. If I can do that, I can gather folks to help me out, get this streetlight out of my bedroom window. That's all I really cared about really. And, and it just, it, 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 it grew just exponentially as every night that I would touch it for myself. It, it's this spiritual connection that just blows me away mm. every single night that I, I, I put my telescope up to it. So uh, it, until you touch it yourself, you won't know how how important this really is to us as humans. Yes. Thank you so much for sharing that and also for yes. um, feeling that for another person and what their loss is. I, um, I see that you grew up in Utah. And you spent a lot of time outside as a kid. And I know personally from growing up in the woods, what that can do for a framework, for a way of seeing the world. So I want to hear about how that framed your life and where you are right now in your career. You know, I look at, I think we need to look at, everybody has their own experience uh, throughout life and it's their world. I call it like their globe that they they have something that they walk around and experience life and, and everybody has their own story from that. And, and I, th- I think the more you could put a hamster in his cage and that's all he knows is the, is the cage. And if you live your life that way, always in the cage, that's all you know. And that's your happiness, if you will. And to get out into nature, um, it really does. It opens up your eyes to this, uh, what's next, what's beyond, you know, that that cage that you've built yourself. And, and so, you know, my parents had me, we, we traveled a lot down in southern Utah. It's just, just beautiful country and, and just camped in the middle of nowhere. And we really weren't into the stars. I remember my dad would always like having the full moon out when we camped so we could see, so we could go fishing. And, and, but I, and, and it makes me sad because I don't know if he really understood what possibilities if we camped on a moonless night and, and, mm-hmm. and really see the stars. We did look up, but I, I don't think we really saw the grandeur of what was there when there was no moon. Um, and, and yeah, it was maybe five years ago. I mean, it was 45 that, that I really touched it and looked and, and, I, 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 I really regret what, what I missed uh, because I was able to look beyond that cage that I was living in. And that's what I think is really mm-hmm. cool about, you know, going outside. You talk about an experience when you touched the Orion Nebula with your camera and your telescope. And you said, what illuminated the back of my camera screen will never leave me. Can you talk about that experience for us? Yeah, uh, it, it, you know, I have some slides. If you want to, I can switch to some slides and I can show you, I, 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 can, I can show you uh, where I went with this. So um, let me just transition here. I can bring you down and mm-hmm. let me scroll through. It's kind of how I became, uh, you can kind of see some, this is 
what I show to some folks on how I got here. But this is my home in this light, and this is what my house used to look like. They've changed it a little bit to a half cutoff, uh, so I'd have to say it is a little bit better. But um, yeah, so I let me just kind of scroll through here on how this all became. Uh, that was the night. I call it the expensive mistake. Um, there it was. That that was the. I, I bought a telescope so we could do some outreach at some farmers markets with uh, the state park, and and I bought it just I didn't know anything how to use it. It was I bought it for twenty five bucks and it was just really to be a prop. And so uh, people started to ask us, "Hey, is this? Uh, can we look through it?" And oh. The moon was out during the day. Sure, let's see if we can get it working. We kind of fiddled with it, and Wendy, the manager at Antelope Island, uh, didn't really know too much about it. But we we did. We were managed to put it on the on uh, the moon, and we just had people lining up, and it just really amazed us on how interest that was. And so I decided, well, let me buy a nice telescope that would track. And and so I bought a Celestron SET, uh, an eight inch, and uh, I had a little camera. You know, it was a old Canon. Uh, 20D, which, you know, really old digital. I think it only was like six megapixels, so it wasn't very big. And when I bought that telescope, I, I ran into one of the astronomers and he said, hey, for about 10 bucks, you can buy this little adapter. You can throw your, your DSLR on it. And why don't you try that? And so I don't know if you've ever looked through a telescope at the Orion Nebula. I mean, our eyes are really poor and you see this image kind of in black and white because um, we really can't see mm -hmm. it. And I I screwed that thing on, put the camera on, and took this photo, and it just blew me away, the purple and the blues and what was showing up. And if you talk, I mean, if you look at some pretty good photos, I mean, they'll look at this photo thinking, oh, this is, you know, I mean, it's an average, but it, it's my first. This was my first touch, and and right. it, it, it blows me away of, of how it had that much of an effect on me, that first image, and I always pull it up and look at it, and and. I remember that experience, uh, and, and that's what I think. That's why I, I really think it's important to uh, to have that that connection. Um, you know, I can go in and, and, and talk to you blue, tell you're blue in the face in a in a city council meeting, and you won't know it until you do it yourself. You, you just you just won't, mm -hmm. and that's what I kind of discovered. So yeah, so that was it. Was that was a what was the experience, though, in your head, your heart, your body that you had when you when you took that photograph? It, I think I, I go back to that a hamster in a cage. Um, it's almost somebody took the lid off and I and mm -hmm. I. You know the moon is the moon is cool, and that's all I was really used to, and that's what most people are really just used to. The moon, maybe if they're lucky, they they can recognize Jupiter or Saturn out there under a polluted sky, and it, it opened it up, and and I I then started learning that just in the controller of my telescope that I had forty six thousand objects in that database, forty six thousand that I could probably potentially connect my telescope and off I went it was just this almost Christmas day that I had just opened my eyes on wow this has been here this whole time and I haven't even I had no idea about it I you know I can I introduce 
uh, while you were telling your story, it reminded me of a T.S. Eliot poem. Do you mind if I just read it, if that's okay? Absolutely. We shall not cease from exploration, and the end of all our exploring will be to arrive where we started and know the place for the first time. Through the unknown remembered gate, when the last of earth left to discover, is that which was the beginning. At the source of the longest river, the voice of the hidden waterfall, and the children in the apple tree, not known because not looked for, but heard, half heard, in the stillness between two waves of the sea. Um, when you were saying that, I remember I was an English literature student way back when I, went, when I dropped out of university, but I love poetry. And when you were telling that story, it reminded me of that, when the last of earth left to discover is that which was the beginning. And I felt like that's what you were describing. And, you know, T.S. Eliot wrote that poem long before, you know, anyone worried about losing the stars. Um, but we have certainly lost it. And there's something there that people need to connect with. And over and over on this show, Ryan, we hear from people that are saying, you don't know what you're missing. We as a species do not know what we're missing. And now, you know, with Jane's work and other people, we know wildlife is missing out too now. This, this situation is completely gone um, uh, by a magnet gotten by a magnitude worse because of the quest for energy efficiency and you know while the societal benefits Jane of energy efficiency are large I think there is a, you know the night sky as resource as Frank Torino would say is something how do we raise the volume of this advocacy Ryan I mean it's beyond pictures so you're describing taking pictures yeah that's a beautiful picture I've looked at the Orion Nebula through um, telescopes and with, with binoculars even, it's beautiful. You can see a lot just by wearing binoculars at night and knowing where the Orion Nebula is. But this message needs to go beyond beautiful pictures. It needs to go into people's hearts. It needs to go into their minds and it needs it, to it, turn into action. It, it, it does. And it, that's, a good, that's a great question. And I, I think it's up to us as advocates is to lead them down that road here is a road that you can't see but it's there and this is how you're going to get there i can't i can only lead you but you've got to take the road yourself I, you know i tell people i tell people you can look at a think about it that if you went to a zoo and you take a picture of a mountain lion okay we have mountain lions in my backyard here in utah and in, in salt lake city it, it if I went to the zoo and took a picture of that mountain lion and posted on Instagram, okay, people, are, I maybe get one, two likes. But if I captured that mountain lion in my backyard, it's the same animal. But I captured it in that experience, it becomes a huge viral picture because it was something that, that you know, not easily touched in a way, but yet... It, it it's this it's the experience that we need to push out there to folks, and and that's why you know I've really latched on to these dark sky parks, and think, thankfully that our state park system in Utah has made a very very big effort on becoming uh, dark sky parks. I think we have the most in the world now, and we just certified 
Uh, gosh, I, I think we have almost 22 dark sky places, and most of them are dark sky parks with for state parks. And 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 I think it's awesome, and, and that's where because I mean, that's how I was touched. It was that state park that that brought me out and and led me down that road. And that's what we need to do as advocates. And so that's why I thought, okay, these these photographs, this is going to show you the road. And, and and I will teach you how to do it. I mean, I, I volunteer out there and teach how to how to do this astrophotography. I do a deep sky class. And, then, you know, this COVID really has been a hamper on that. But typically we'll have three or four per year. And, and they sell out so fast. And 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 that's what's so neat about it. You know, we'll, we'll advertise it. And I like to keep it small. Uh, because I want to have that one-on-one -on -one because it almost has to be that one-on-one -on -one with folks to lead them down that road. And so um, I, I think it's it's important that it's up to us. We've seen it. It's now our responsibility to lead others down the road. And when we can do that, they will make those changes. I, I, I'm 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 certain of it because it is so cool out there and 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 I, I just think that they just, they've forgotten. They don't know about it. And this generation just doesn't know. So you're saying that a random picture of a mountain lion is intangible, but a mountain lion that happened to come through my backyard is suddenly tangible. And that's your, your metaphor to say that right now, the night sky is intangible. So if we can make it tangible and with your work, through astrophotography by actually empowering people that they can suddenly get the bug because it, you definitely did <laughs> and then feel that immensity. That's, that's it, a very exactly. good point. It, yeah, it, exactly. It, it. So you do a lot of advocacy in general and you volunteer for the Utah State Park Service. Uh, I guess that's your work teaching people how to do astrophotography. And then you also work with uh, speaking to city officials. Is that true? Uh, we do. So uh, we've teamed up with, uh, at least locally uh, in our county, and that's it, we. It's Davis County that we've been working with so far, uh, which is just north of Salt Lake. And so Antelope Island State Park sits right in the dead center of the uh, Great Salt Lake. And so, you know, having the park system plus, you know, our advocacy coming in and trying to uh, explain how important astrotourism for the county is and their communities because these folks come out. I mean, uh, I can show you photos. We did what's called a Zoom to Moon event, and we had almost uh, four or 500 people show up at, a, at an eclipse that they could have seen from their home, but they wanted to be together with us and have that. Mm. Uh, not that we're experts, but we've seen it before, and we kind of have an idea of how to explain that, and they wanted to share it with folks. Um but yeah, so we go, uh, we try to get a citizen in a city to almost sponsor us, to bring us in because we don't want to be that outsider and say, you know, we really want you to do this, but we're not part of the citizens. But if, if we typically will have a citizen that will reach out to us and ask if we can come into a city council meeting and it's many, and, and they're always uh, just excited to see what we've done, particularly when we can show them numbers on, on the largest visitation events have been dark sky events. And when we, we mm -hmm. post about a, a night sky photography class, it sells out 
and we don't, I mean, when I say sell out, it's free, but it fills up in a day. And then we, you know, we get complaints about, hey, when are you going to have the next one? And and so um, it, it really, that, that tourism aspect on bringing the money into those cities really opens eyes. And, and we've had some good successes. We've also had some not so successful uh, meetings as well. Uh, the, 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 I guess the idea that more light equals more safe or more or, yep. or additional safety. Yeah. So idea. I think all of us in, <laughs> yeah, all of us in here, you know, know that there's more to the story, but it's so right. hard to have that intuitive concept to, to bring it over. And, and what we have is we have this little demo flashlight and I should have it. It's back here behind me, but Maglite makes this little flashlight that you can take the top off and put it down and, and it's a, a all all around light. And then what we do is we build, uh, oh, I have it right here. <laughs> okay. So I have this mag light, right? And if it was dark in here, I can take this top off uh, as I just lose it. But anyway, you're going to, you're going to see right here that if I put it in front of the camera and it's all backwards to me, but you start seeing the glare, but you know, mm -hmm. we have this, all it is, it's a really good cup that I just put some foil over, but you know, as you shine, take that light out of the, out of the, out of your eyes, you then can see, and what I'll typically do is put a, uh, uh, you know, a character, a Disney character that I pick up that I'll put on there and say, hey, can you can you see this character with that light out? No, we can't. But when I bring that shield down on top of it, all of a sudden, oh, it's Dopey from Snow White. Okay, this concept right here, this is what we need on our streets. And I, I tell you, this mag light and this little shield that I made is the best thing that we've ever done in a, in a city council. It is just like an aha moment for a lot of folks on what do you mean? You're not, you're not asking us to turn out the lights. No, not at all. It's just directing them, put them on the target. You know, suppose there's a five-year-old kid at the crosswalk and here you can't see him, but if you just put that little shield on top, you see him. How simple is that? That's safety. So we've, we've discussed uh, and, and, this issue ad nauseum on the show. It comes up all the time, the false assumption that more light equals more safety. And that, that, that's just simply a false assumption. It's starting from the wrong yeah. point, And then you get into a confirmation bias so that people only look for information that reinforces the, uh, the assumption that more light equals more safety. They're simply not open to the idea that more light could equal less safety. In fact, I don't, we've yeah. looked for it, Jane, we're starting the journey, but I don't think it's, any study has ever tried to prove that more light equals less safety. And I know there's been some discussion about um, traffic lights uh, or uh, crosswalks being improperly lit so as to make people less clear in the crosswalk using more light. So there's different things that are starting to emerge, but I certainly think that this is another one of those cages you're talking about, Ryan. People are in a cage of more light equals less safety. Okay. And you know, That's if, correct. If, you know, if you go to police officers, well, police officers must know, no, they're all operating on the same assumption. So are the judges, so are the lawyers, so are the insurance companies, so are the people that make cameras that believe that, you know, 5,000 Kelvin light can show better in a camera than, than 2,700 Kelvin light. That's simply not the case. 
Um, the color rendering right. indexes of low LED uh, color temperatures are now the same as 5,000 Kelvin. There's no difference. And they don't factor in the ideas of glare. You know, when a, when a police officer comes to your car at night, he shines a flashlight in your eyes or she shines a flashlight in your eyes. What's the purpose of that? So they can see you That's right. and you can't see them. So light Correct. can be used That's to right. blind. That's a felony stop. And if you take if you take take a police course, the first thing is felony stop. You light up that car and you hide behind that light. That really is. And we do bring that up and we do bring out the police chief and he does confirm, yeah, that is a tactic that we use. And, and so that it, we have to open that up. And I've also what's interesting is I'll I'll challenge these folks that that state this that light equals safety and say, okay, if that's the case. Maybe would you be willing to take officers off the street? If we're going to make this safer on this end, that equals that maybe would you be willing to lower the budget? And they, they don't. And, I, and, and I, I try to explain to them, if you don't feel safe to take an officer off the street because you put you know 20 lights out there, then your whole scientific reasoning is not making sense. Because if we make it safer, we, we, can, we, can, take, we can take law enforcement to a you know a, a less of a level yeah the union the union insane. won't go for that um right but hang on let I'm me just make encouraging a, that at all um i i think that there's areas where there could be less policing i'm not going to get into that topic right now but um the uh it, the idea that so a lot of you're still in the cage though ryan so let's Absolutely. let's get out of the cage for a second I believe, and we're looking for somebody to come and talk to us about this, that actually high Kelvin temperature uniform street lighting gives people that are out late at night the wrong signal that they should not go home, okay? And I believe that, you know, whenever there is uh, um, unrest in the streets, so I'm not talking about peaceful protests or people gathered to make change, but where you have, you know, unruly crowds perhaps of any sort, if you were to change the Kelvin temperature of the lights and dim it, I bet a lot of those people would just go home. Because the idea that because the police can see you, that makes things more safe. That's the assumption. But the people can also see the police. And if you look at something like the Ryan Rittenhouse video, that guy, that um, the shooter, that street was lit up like if it was day, okay? So if you watch those videos of, I don't care what position you take on any of this sort of stuff, but if you just watch that video, you'll see that everybody in that video could see everybody else, okay? And it was 11.30 or 12 at night, and this street was in total chaos, okay? And so they could see what, you know, tell me for real, if it's dark outside and somebody's firing a military grade rifle, do you think anyone's going to be moving or they're all going to be hiding? Right. Because they could see where the shooter was, who he was, where he was standing, which direction he was pointing in. You see this chaos may actually be created by the, the uniform high Kelvin temperature, high light output streetlights. And... I think uh, that I that's my that is my hypothesis. Okay, 
So the I, I, and you're still in the bar. You're, let's convince the city council that it's not less safe. How about we convince the city council that maybe it's less safe to have the lights that they put in, and then we can talk about right. the flicker issue, which causes epileptic seizures in people with epilepsy, and the vast majority of these street lights that have been installed in the last ten years flicker sixty times a second. Let's talk about light trespass and blue light at night going into people's windows, stopping them from sleeping and the whole manner of health problems related to reducing people's sleep across the board by 5% or 2% or 1%. So I think the conversation needs to shift from light. Well, it's not going to be less safe to the lights you have put in here are unsafe for a whole bunch of reasons, Ryan. And I think that that's what we're pursuing here. So... You know, what was so funny is in one of our council meetings that uh, Wendy and I had attended, we, this may have been maybe our third time in there um, to, to discuss, you know, potentially how we can change this. And we had, so we had presented the American Medical Association studies and their references. So just take a look before we come in here. I want you to be armed with the information so you can ask us about it because we need to really discuss this. And one of the city council members brought up the city engineer because there were 4,000 Kelvin. And she was concerned about that, that, uh, that color temperature and that association with the AMA. And what was so interesting is that council member says, is there any chance, okay, is there any chance that we can change those to a 2700 Kelvin? And the engineer says, no, not without changing the bulb. And so that right there was almost a recognition that they, I think they are starting to believe in the AMA study. But the engine, you know, the city council member at that point just goes, oh, okay, well, I guess it's a money issue. But I think we, we analyze that you know, we, we go back and because it gets recorded and we go back and how can we improve our communication with these folks? And, and we do, we have experts that will look at that kind of on how we did and how we can do better. And, but we recognize that they, they, they are, I, th- I think at least this city that's very resistant uh, is now starting to see the data as being the truth. And they've, uh, I, we're excited that they've recognized that that color temperature is an issue. So we're just crossing our fingers that maybe in the future they'll, they'll switch to a 2700 Kelvin. And we always tell them, Hey, look, don't, don't do it because you're dark sky park out there and we're trying to save the stars. Do it because of you're a good neighbor uh, of light trespass. And it's literally for safety. If you're really into safety, uh, let, let's take it on and use science on, on how to do this. I mean, we've already seen the demo that, you know, a shield can allow you to see an object uh, 10 times better than a, a, a high glare luminaire. And so, uh, it, so I, it, it really is, it, it is our responsibility of educated folks in this specialized area to get the word out and to go to these and these city councils. And that's why I tell everybody that comes to my photo class, hey, look, I'm doing this for free. You'll pay four or $500 to go to a, a nightscaper conference, but I'm going to do it for free in exchange that you write a letter to your city council person. And and so that's, I feel, is my payment on, on if I can get you to at least contact them because this squeaky wheel really does 
gets the grease. And so that's what we really need is just more people. Well, I think that's fantastic that you're working to hone your craft of communication on the topic. And I'm just curious because I've sat in on meetings. I've spoken with people who push back on the concept that more light is safer. And it's a frustrating feeling to know all that we do and know all that is that we're missing and to try and convey that. So what were some of the tips that came forth in terms of how you communicate this problem? Uh, well, I, I can tell you the first off was how uh, I can tell you what not to do, um, because first off, <laughs> I mean, when that, that light first was in my bedroom window, um, I thought it was a mistake. Hey, this this light is not you know, conducive to what I think should be in residential areas. And I didn't know anything about it. But when I went down there, the answer from the, the engineer was, um, can you just put a blanket in your window? And, and it, it, it made me angry. And I think I took that personal and, and which probably was a mistake because I went down there and pounded my fist on the, on the city's front door and said, get this, you know, explicit light out of my window. It is on my property. It is, that light is trespassing on my property and you have no right being there, but they, mm -hmm. and, and all of a sudden what they did was build a wall. And so over the years I've had to continually try to soften that and say, Hey, look, I am not that, uh, you know, butthead, you know, citizen in there. I really am trying to help out the community. And so it, uh, I think the best thing is to, not insult them because I think I did. Um, I insulted them. You know, what kind of an engineer would, would have the best thing that you can come up with is a blanket in a window. Um, and, and kind of put yourself into their shoes. This is their profession. They've gone to school for this and they're being paid as the city engineer. And here comes a citizen that may have more education in that specific area and, and what's the last person want to be told that you did something wrong in your job and your profession and so uh, so we have to really kind of be careful about that also i found that using the the phrase pollution is is bad um you know i helped out the ida do a video for uh, this last dark sky week discover the night and i don't know if you've met betamaya foot with the ida fantastic photographer and she's the i think public engagement director down there we had to sit down and and say these are some words we cannot use we can't use dark we can't use pollution and 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 so we had to come up with different phrases because of that just one word if you say dark in a city council they automatically just pull back and say no 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 we can't have our streets dark and, and so we're very, very careful about how you present that. And, and now when we go in, I go to a city council meeting, I, we sit down with uh, Wendy and I, and sometimes I have Trish Ackley, the naturalist, will come and help out too. We do a mock um, uh, speech and, and we pick it apart, we record it to make sure we're not saying those things that could be offensive and could detriment that that mission and so what do you I, think uh, about that jane yeah. i, I want to well, know what you think about that i think it's fantastic to hear because i hadn't heard that pollution word could be offensive 
from the other side's point of view. Because from my perspective, what I've often um, said, and I, I've written about it, is that the word light, the term light pollution does not elicit alarm. Except if you are scared of the dark, and then it's sort of offensive to call the selected illumination polluted or polluting. So it's kind of interesting because it doesn't really work as a term to advocate because it hasn't worked yet. Um, and yet when we've advocated with that term, it turns out to your point, Ryan, that it's offensive to the illuminators. So I think that's just a, I think now I'm just seeing this term really doesn't work for anyone. So, I mean, we do say light pollution is pollution. And I think that that's a very true point and it's a safe place here on the show to say that, but it's a really interesting point to see that pushback. And I'll just say, cause there was a really interesting that happened here in my area of the world in Boston. Um, I do a lot of advocating here and it's, you know, you do get that pushback on words like light pollution, dark, um, because people are scared of the dark. And um, this astrophotographer, Abdul Dramali, just took out a full page in the Boston Globe saying that he's leaving Boston to go out west because he has no access to the stars here. And I, I loved it. I think it's totally bold and awesome to have done that. And I'm thankful for him to, for leaving that message here in my community because I don't think people know what they're missing. They only can think about what they're not getting anymore, which is this quote unquote safety. Yeah, don't yeah. mean to interrupt you. And, and hang on a second. Hang on a second. I, I want to I comment on what what um, I don't care about offending anyone's ego, okay? I'm just going to tell you that straight up. And when it when it but comes to let me is, let me let me finish. Charge, let, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, I get that. <laughs> yeah. So, but but here here's the point: is that you're like the you're like the the early person that had to go in before the the full argument for darkness has emerged. So. What I'm seeing right now in the lighting, I'm in the lighting industry, Jane is in the lighting industry. So we're coming from the lighting industry towards this, not from the from not from astrophotography, not from we're 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 the we're coming out of the industry. The paradigm is shifting. We've seen it we we've seen it since we started this in October already and we've created a lot of momentum. The fact is the reason why people are shooting you down because you offend them because, oh, this is offensive to me because I'm not going to admit I made a mistake. That's what you're encountering, yeah. okay? I'm not wrong. Yeah. How dare you say I'm wrong? I have an engineering degree from XYZ uh, University, MIT, and don't you know, uh, I'm also an LC. Who the hell are you to tell me? Well, guess what? The, there's a lot of people that are coming on board with this, and there's acute problems, there's chronic problems, and the lighting industry is now coming around, starting to turn around. We're starting to see that. So it, it won't be long before the, the, they're going to be forced out of their little cages um, down at City Halls. I, I, because we're going to, listen, I, I'm I, committed to this movement. Jane's committed to this movement. And we're changing things in the lighting industry from the, you know, we're, we're taking people by the scruffs of their neck and pulling their heads out of the sand. Yeah, that's right. I'm saying that. We're grabbing them and pulling their heads out of the sand because the heads are stuck in the sand. And enough's enough. There's way too much of this nonsense 
in our society. You can't say this. You can't say that. Safety, 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 safety. You know what? What are you talking about? What are you talking about? You're completely wrong, actually. Not you, Ryan, but the people that are you know, <laughs> saying that you can't offend my ego. I'm, that's disgusting to me, actually. But you're, it's not time yet. I agree with you that you should be polite and you should present to them in a way. But there's a huge tidal wave coming. And I don't know if it's going to be in one year or two years or three years or five years. But it is going to smash them and completely blow them away. Because this issue is solvable and people have a right to their heritage, to the, the night sky. Which isn't that dark, actually, to be honest with you. There's another wrong word, dark sky. I don't know if it is dark. It doesn't look that all that dark in your pictures so there's my rant that's true okay and, and you, <laughs> you know and that and that that's the reason so i used to be dark sky late and i changed my name to night sky science because mm. of that dark it, it really did i had to and and I, I i i so agree to you but this is coming from experience okay these these folks and i'm gonna i'm gonna rat them out it's Leighton city utah okay this is where i live that's been the difficult one other neighboring cities have saw it. We've been in there, but they had they have this preconcept uh, this conception of who Ryan is. I'm that guy that came in and kind of pretty much gave him the bird and told him that they they're not doing their job very well, and they took that offensively. So our third time to go in there, listen to what happened. Okay, we went. We not only we went to the lighting manufacturer, the the lighting supplier, and we asked him, Hey, look. When we go in there and ask them for this, like, can you provide them with full cutoff lighting at a cheaper price than what they're paying for the, 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 now, the lighting that they're putting in? And he made a commitment that he would make it for cheaper. Okay, so now we put the money aside. Now we have a cheaper luminaire that they can put in. And then we also went in with all that science. And believe it or not, as soon as we okay, we presented all this, they actually found out that we had made this negotiated price for a lower price. And that engineer, now I don't have proof of this, but the reason why that this happened because I was pinned after the meeting from the engineer and I have actually video of it. I actually pulled the video from the city ca uh, cameras. And he's pointing in my face, telling me, you will never, ever get those lights. And I called our manufacturer and said, or our supplier and said, if you deal with Ryan again, we will terminate our contract. Th that right there, okay, I came in there with a, a better deal for them. You were going to spend less for the taxpayers. And we it blew us away that they still said, yeah, we're going to keep with what we're doing. And and I think you're right that the wave will come and it's unfortunate that the taxpayer is going to be funding all these lights and then this wave comes and they're going to have to just spend the money again to replace them. Um, but that's why the I, lighting I industry see... should be on board with this. That's why that like that's the argument to the lighting industry. Okay, so like when the lighting industry says, no, 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 there's no mistakes, nothing to see here. Uh, you know, this kind of attitude that we've we've encountered. The reality is there, this is the greatest lighting boom we could ever launch would be the dark sky, the the um, whatever, the darkness, the re the, the the lighting industry starts providing natural darkness and removing light trespass for people. This right. is the a monster movement. This is a monster yeah. opportunity. Like it's anybody that thinks that you're not going to be able to sell a lot of light fixtures. Yeah, like you think about it for a second. Every street light is in play. 
What are you talking about? And they all need to be controlled. Yes. Yes. And I'm I'm shocked that somebody hasn't really taken on this lucrative business and and eaten these guys for lunch because I – I, I tell a lot of folks that, you know, at the IDA, hey, maybe we need to go into business ourselves and, and build a luminaire that just kicks butt all over the place and that would, you know, pr- be proven. And because we're, I, I consider us being the experts at outdoor lighting. I really do. It's not, it's not the engineering department. It's us because I think we, we've, we've taken that passion and we've, I mean, we're, we're having a podcast. I mean, it isn't, easy and it takes a lot of time that we're so committed and and that's what makes a good product is passion it's not just for the money it's the passion and that's that's why i've tried to encourage a lot of folks in this industry in this group we need to just come up with our own because i know we could we could we could outdo any engineer lighting engineer out there that's because we i know a couple good ones that i couldn't outdo but here here's the thing i think passion got you into trouble in the first place with that municipal office i I think maybe you want to turn down the passion meter a little bit when you're when you're going into talk but yeah and i agree with you we shouldn't insult people and we shouldn't swear at them and um we should maintain a cool calm demeanor but in terms of uh you know um not using the word light pollution light pollution light pollution light pollution the most solvable uh, real pollution problem we can we can possibly solve. We can do it right now, Jane. I'm using the same word over and over. Sorry, I'm just hot right now. But yes, but I, hot, I, yeah. I, I can tell I can tell you why I was so hot. Okay, it, it was. This is my private property. This is mm-hmm. what I and I think your home is your most sacred place that you have. And, and it should be respected by your neighbors, and that includes the city, should respect your home as you see fit. And, and lights need to be viewed as no different than a loudspeaker. If that was blaring uh, music at midnight, okay, a lot of people would say, oh, that makes sense. And, and all it really is, the difference is, is it's messing with two different senses. That loudspeaker is a nuisance of your hearing. And that light is no different. It's a nuisance of your eyes. And you should have that right at your property line to say, I don't want to hear that light. It is a loud light and it needs to have a curfew. Not only that though, but hang on. Both of those things prevent you from sleeping properly. Yes. And, and, and that, 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 Thinking that a blanket in your window is fair is is a fair thing, and I always I always come back when they say that because that really is a common common thing. Can you buy some blackout curtains? And and then I I switch it on them. Okay, let's talk sound. If would it be equally okay for me to run my stereo at night, and you're my neighbor, and you complain about my ten o'clock stereo? Can I equally just say, hey, put in earplugs? No, that would never fly in any city council. I have often related the light pollution problem to sound pollution because for some reason, sound pollution is very intuitive because you can't really tune it out. Um, but darkness, you know, you can you can pull a wool blanket over your head if you have to. Um, and I, if I may speak for wildlife for a second, but whales astronavigate. And they have done studies, they tagged whales, and they uh, navigate thousands of miles. They breed at the equator, and then they navigate to either pole to 
actually feed on krill. And their navigation can be 5,000 miles in a single leg. And when they tagged the whales, they were actually always within five degrees and often within one degree. An extremely precise journey through turbulent open water. And the way that the scientists hypothesized that they had to be doing that was through a view of the moon and the stars, because that's how you would navigate so precisely. And my point here is to say that we are blanching the night sky. And it's not just the coastal problem. We also have boats that are, it's so cool to trip out your boat with LED lighting now. So now we have these pockets of boating vessels that are creating light pollution everywhere. And I'll point out that they did a study and whales have actually changed the octave of their whale song because they uh, are trying to, to differentiate themselves from all of the sound of water vehicles. So we're hitting this, this particular species from two avenues, one with sound and the other with light. And that's just an example of how much we're really taking away this environment for wildlife. So I, I think your analogy with sound, which is that that's a very loud light, I love that language. And I think so much of what we do here on the show is having conversations like this to find and articulate better language to get our point across. Because there's no doubt in my mind that we are so right, it's beyond question to me. And it's hard to feel this right and to hold back so that the person can still hear your message. That can be a really hard thing to do. So I love the way that you're articulating this in a way that we can finally get across to people at the city council meetings who in my experience have been some of the most contentious because they are responsible. It's not just that they have the power, they're responsible for the safety. So they have to kind of be on their high horse because they don't want to then be blamed. So it's just an interesting it, conversation. Yeah. And, and the, you know, it, that's the thing is most of the constituents, right? They, they still have that idea that we need a streetlight. I, I, it, it's, and I, I agree they do, but it needs to be a certain streetlight. And that's what I have to emphasize. Yes, you do need a streetlight, but it needs to be a full cutoff that lights the street only. That's it. And that they're not asking the second question is, how are we going to light? Yes, you need the streetlight, but how are we going to illuminate it? And it has to be tailored. Everyone has to be tailored. You can't just drop pins and just go, 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 go. And that's what they do. And, oh, we put up the streetlight and we're good. But that's just... Oh, that's just how city works or government works. I, I, I hate to call them, but they, I don't think, I call them lazy and I hate to say that, but I do, I do think you don't I don't know if that's that. the right I word. They're the, not lazy. They're just bureaucrats or, or politicians. Uh, so. I, no, like the, the, I, there's I, a I, certain I, bureaucratic bureau, institutions. Like, so for example, a lot of people don't, first of all, America and Canada need a giant national civics course. OK, because I, I watch so many Twitter videos of people saying, I'm going to fix Baltimore by running for Congress. OK, like Washington, D.C. has nothing to do with the city of Baltimore. Right. OK, like if you want to fix Baltimore, you have to run for city council in Baltimore. OK, so like it's like we need one giant civics course to be taken for. OK, this is how it works. And Canadians need to know that whoever the prime president of the United States is doesn't matter to your life at all, actually. OK, 
It doesn't matter He'll to Canadians. Like, the, right. like you, who is your local councillor? Who is your trustee for your school? Who is the, the local right. MPP? That's 90% of your life, okay? It's encapsulated in your state, municipal, and school trustees. That's what matters to your life. Like it's, uh, People don't know this. But anyway, bureaucratic institutions are resistant to change by their nature. That's why their institutions are built to resist change that's the only reason they exist is to stop from changing so when you encounter these types of institutions for them to switch from hps to led took this irrational exuberance movement within the lighting industry okay followed up by a consortium called the design lights consortium which approved all of these light outdoor light fixtures as being environmentally friendly and of high quality called their qualified products list. Utilities then paid about 50% of all municipal costs to have them installed. Okay, so that is what it took to make these institutions change from uh, what they call high intensity discharge sources to LED. We need to do the same thing with the dark sky or the darkness movement. Okay, and that is we need people in the dark sky photography world to set out the spiritual case for this as humans. And then we need the DLC to be creating and approving fixtures that are of your description of what they are. And then we need utilities to get under board, get on board and understand. And from all angles, from people like you, citizens on the street, the industry, everybody knows LEDs are better for the environment, right? That's what they, everybody knows that. Well, we need to know that, 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 Fixtures that produce natural darkness and do not light trespass on people are better for the environment. That has to be the message that comes from all angles at these institutions. And then you will activate change. You'll see it happen like that. It will happen so fast, you won't even know what hits you. But it takes, the institutions will only do it if they're seeing all their stakeholders are on the same page, Right. And once that happens, policing, um, uh, different groups, we're going we're to do light injustice, uh, Jane, down the road. All poorer communities being lit up like prison yards, like all these kinds of things. You know, we need a, a, a almost unanimous position on it, and then they'll change all the streetlights like that. Watch it. I'm telling you. I'm yeah. not kidding you. Anyway. I, 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 on, a, on a positive note, we, I, I really do think the ball is rolling. I mean, here in Utah, mm -hmm. we just had a, a – a dark sky license plate um, uh, uh, build that went up onto the house. Now, it didn't pass, but when we were able to go in and put on our presentation in what's called the committee meeting, so it goes into committee before it gets introduced to the, to the house. And so uh, in that committee, that's where citizens can, can present. And we got out and, and I we put on a killer presentation and we had 11 to one vote for this license plate because it was so good and how well that we have so many dark sky parks. But I think it was because when it went out to the house, it was just the legislator that we barely trained. Okay. And he's still in training with us. Didn't, I don't think present it as well as what we really wanted him to do. And it, it, it failed, but there was, I, 
after after they came back, there were some representatives that voted no, saw our presentation, and now regrets what their vote was. And they mm. they we've had so many people asking us, "Are you going to do it again?" Yes, this time we're going to come in tenfold because now we know where we made the mistake, and and so now. I, I really do think next year you will see a Utah license plate that says the darkest skies in America. And it, I and don't it's know beautiful. why you so wouldn't I, do that. It sounds like the perfect well, it, sale it was really, to bring people to come to your state. Well, it was the funding. So it, we found out it was going to mm. cost $100,000 to get the, the print material and get it going. But they said if we can get 20,000 drivers to or vehicles to get this, it would break even. And and so once they saw that, oh, that's all we need is 20000 how easy would that be? Because it really is probably the coolest looking uh, – I mean, I had so many emails in Flex, hey, we support this, we want it, and and I would buy it. And so um, I, I really think you're going to see it next year, but it's that information that, that getting out, and that that's our job. And, and that's why I'm really so glad that you guys are starting this thing here. Because it, it is, you're going to, I, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you that this podcast is going to be so popular in one year. I really do. Um, and, and so be ready because it, 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 it will hit you. Okay. I'm just a citizen that was complaining about a streetlight. And now I get people contacting me all the time about my, my photos. I'm not, a, I don't even still don't think I am a photographer. I am just passionate about directing people down that road to the, you need to you need to check this out yourself because I'm not a great photographer. I just saw it, and and I want to show it, and that's what I'm trying to get you to do. And I I don't know how many people that I've taken down that road, and they just they have this aha moment, and they're on board. I mean, it, it's amazing how these things are springing up. So we are on this road, I think, and it's and it's rolling, um, and and so. I mean, that's my that's my spill, and I could probably talk your ear off about it, but. Well, uh, firstly, I think that the the license plate idea is fantastic because if you think about it, it's a driving uh, billboard for the cause, and just to have yep. the ability for you know to be stopped in traffic and look, you know, maybe I'm in Boston and I'm somebody from Utah is driven out, and I'm like, wow, look at that's a dark sky plate. What is that really? And it starts to provoke this questioning and to introduce this idea and plant seeds across the psyche of everyone who has access to see the, the license plate. So it's an amazing, actually, campaign and advocacy campaign. And the other thing I want to just thank you for, Ryan, is that you have a palpable emotional response to the night sky. And you are taking people by the hand and walking them into that experience. And I mean, I can feel it right here and I've never even physically spent any time with you. And so by, by sharing your emotional response, you're doing such a great job to convey the meaning of the night sky to people who have not yet seen it themselves. So I know you say that, you know, you want people to touch it themselves, but you are bringing that to them you are a conveyor of that. And I just want to thank you for we, your work because it is so important. We have to, that is the only way that we're going to win this. If this is, you know, we're in battle and the only way we're going to win it is we have to win hearts and minds and we have to show them. I, 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 I can show people a picture every day, but when they come out with me, they, they are sold. 
They do, it blows their mind. And I, they, they'll email me and say, Hey, I wrote my, my city council. I've never done that before. And, and that's what, you know, that that's our duty as a citizen, no matter what you're, you're, you're into, you should, you should at least write your citizen. I think once a year, at least about something, thank them what mm. they're doing, or, you know, if you have a concern, but I think people have just lost that contact on, on who's really representing them and, and, and so, but yeah, I, again, I appreciate, it. I think, I think this is a fantastic uh, way to communicate this. And, and I'm so proud to be on this rolling train because I think it's, it's cool. It, it is just so cool. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on our show. We were really honored to have you. Thanks so much. Thank you yes, so much. Thank yeah, it, it is. You starved. Now you're sated. That's right. I was starving for darkness with host Jane Slade and myself, co-host Michael Colligan. But before we go, we got to tell you about a little magic that we discovered in the National Association of Innovative Lighting Distributors. And I'm talking about Evluma coming out with a massive, awesome, crazy, magical LED dark sky ready luminaire for the outside, Greg. A-E-V-L-U-M-A.com, the magicians. That's right. And in addition to what we talked about at the beginning, they have a photo control fail-safe built into the fixture. Come on. And that actually, yeah, that, that replaces the need to have to worry about a photo cell down the road. I love so if that. If your photo man. cell burns out, it learns what it needs to do so that it continues to operate as though the photo cell is still working. That's why they're ma it's magical, then, brother. It's magic. magic. And then on top of that, they have the Connect LED that is a wireless lighting management system. Use your phone, control that thing, get fancy. Oh, man. Evluma is so hot with these products, man. I just love it. Go to EVLUMA.com. That's Evluma.com. Proudendale member, National Association of Innovative Lighting Distributors. Yeah, baby. Come and get it. Bye for now.